0: Hey there, thanks so much for joining me on this edition of The Shaleen Show. My name is Shaleen Johnson, and I am your host. Today, we'll be talking about how to know if it's time to let go of a friend. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. So we've all been there, that moment or stage, When you ask yourself, why am I still friends with this person? Or should I still be friends with this person? Or why in the world am I still maintaining a friendship with this person? It's a question we all struggle with. And one of the reasons why we struggle with it, well, there's actually a lot of reasons why we struggle with it. Sometimes we struggle with that decision because we feel as though the decision may reflect poorly on us. Does moving away, cutting ties or letting a friendship drift apart, does that make you a bad person? Could someone who we care about do the same thing to us? If you quit on this friendship, does that make you a quitter? Does letting go of this person who you've been trying to help and make better, does it mean that you've failed in your quest to help them? Will other people judge you? Will this person speak negatively about you or put their own twist on how things went down? Why do we feel so guilty, so conflicted when it comes to friendships, especially the friendships that come with the history? The universal dictionary definition of friendship is a state of mutual trust and support. So Think about both of those words before we go much further. Trust and support. You might have your answer right there. But if not, let's go a little further. Friendships. It's something we all desire. We know it improves our lives. We know it oftentimes it's the people in our lives that make us better, who we can share our greatest joys with and our deepest sorrows. And sometimes our friendships are even more profound than our family relationships. But why is it we're so tormented with certain friendships? Why is it not as obvious with certain people whether or not we should be letting go, moving on, or kind of setting our differences aside and putting more effort into the relationships? I mean, sometimes it's not as obvious. Like, do you tough it out with a friend who's struggling with addiction or behavior that just doesn't seem like it's who they are or who you thought they were? Do you stay with them? Do you continue to support someone who's, Values have radically changed from yours? Do you leave behind a friend who you just, you have nothing in common with them anymore? There's nothing wrong with them. You don't disagree with their character, but you just have such a boring time when you're with them. And what about that friendship that's just started to fizzle? You're spending less and less time together. Nothing's really happened, but you tend to be drifting apart. And you've got this guilt about it. People have asked you, hey, when's the last time you saw so-and-so or... Maybe just dawned on you, you haven't got together with this person in a really long time. And there's no particular reason. But should you invest more time and try to get that friendship rekindled, or is it okay to let go? Now, fundamentally, you might want a very specific checklist. And if all the boxes are checked off, then you would know it's time to end a friendship. But it's not always that cut and dried, nonetheless. There are signs, big signs that we often overlook and question ourselves. So today I share with you seven signs that a friendship may have run its course. As you listen to these, you might realize, yeah, this is someone who isn't good for me. What do you do about it? You've got a couple of options. Number one, you could sit down and tell them. That you no longer wanna be friends, which to me seems a little extra. Like, do you really need to sit down with someone and say, hey, we're not gonna be friends anymore? What would be the point other than to hurt someone or to give them an opportunity to defend their case, in which case you would prolong the friendship? Like, rarely have I ever seen a need to do that, unless you really feel like you need closure, but I think you're gonna prolong even the feeling of closure by doing that. You know, it's like breaking up with someone. The best way to break up with someone is to say, it's not you, it's me. Because what can they do about that? They can walk away, feel okay about themselves, and they don't have to wonder if they could have been better. But if you break up with someone, you say, you know what? It's, it's because I don't like the way you wear your hair. Well, they're going to try to change their hair and try to change things. Therefore, the only time when you might want to sit down with somebody and explain to them why you want to move on or move apart and wish them well and 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 have that closure is if for some reason you really believe they've hit rock bottom and they need to know that either they are losing you or they've lost you but if it doesn't help someone if it's not truly going to be something they can do something about because you know people don't change they just don't and for you to think that someone will because you're no longer going to be friends with them is i, I don't know Okay, I'll just let you make that decision. I can just tell you there's only been one situation ever in my entire life where I cared so much about somebody and I knew that they were struggling with addiction and I really had to tell them that that was my rock bottom, that I could no longer be friends with them because their addiction was too devastating and I felt like I was supporting it by not letting them know. And I felt in a way that I was supporting their addiction by not telling them it was unacceptable. And by the way, I'm still great friends to this day with that individual. So in that one situation, I'm really kind of glad that I did have that conversation. But in most cases, it's just that you've just both changed. It isn't a question of addiction or you know, life-threatening behavior. In most cases, you're just different now. And I just don't know why you're gonna make another person feel bad about that. Option two is to just slowly allow things to drift apart. If you're not putting in as much effort, if every time they text, you reply every second or third time, and and you're rarely available, and you're not going out of your way to get together and invest time with each other, well, I think the handwriting is going to be on the wall. And if they do come to you and say, what's going on? I miss us. Did I do something wrong? Again, my recommendation, unless it's something that can really help and change their life, not just from your opinion, but truly it could save their life. In most cases, you're just better off saying, I think it's me. Don't think we have as much in common anymore. And I love you. And I always will. And I'll always pray for you. But I don't know. I think less is more in this case. So what are those seven signs? Number one, you no longer agree with the quality of their character, their ethics, or their integrity, or should I say lack of integrity? And when I say you no longer agree with their character, I don't think people's character changes. I just don't. I think things happen where we can actually see their character. I think most people say they're going to do right until nobody's looking or they think nobody's looking and then they're truly tempted and then you see the quality of someone's character. For me, that's just a sign that this is not someone who I should be investing my time with. Zig Ziglar once said, You make positive deposits in your own economy every day by reading and also by listening to powerful, positive, life-changing content that comes with association with encouraging and hope-building people. That's pretty simple. Number two, you always do all the work. It's not a friendship if all the work, all the care, all the thoughtfulness, sacrifices, and contributions are only ever coming from one side now let me be clear you have to be very careful that you're not judging this particular moment or season in your friendship a good friendship like a good relationship like a great marriage will have ebb and flow times when you need them more than they need you times when They need you more than you need them. Times when you are the shoulder for them to lean on. You're the person who's lifting them up, who's there in times of need and times of success. We all have friends who kind of disappear when things are good and they show back up when we've hit rock bottom. I put that friend in a particular category. That's someone who feels better when I feel bad. And we also have friends who are only there when things are good. Like they want to ride the tide. They want to ride the wave. And they're nowhere to be found if there's nothing for them to be gained from you. I think the quality of our friendships should be determined by those who are there through thick and thin, through good and bad. And that means that our relationship will shift back and forth. I mean, I have my closest friends. There are times when I need them and there are times when they need me. And the ones who I draw the closest to me, the ones who I really care the most about are the ones who are there for me in both those times. And it's not just me being there for them in those instances. So you just have to ask yourself, am I always doing all the work or am I just doing all the work right now? You know, Be honest with yourself. And then you have to ask yourself, why are you doing all the work? I mean, you can't blame them for that. You can't be mad about that. That's something you decided to do. You like being a savior. You like being the person who comes in with a cape on. So, you know, there's no reason to harbor any resentment towards them, but you do need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, why do I like having this role, the person who's the hero? How come I keep finding people who I have to take care of and that I can rescue them? Why do I want to save people's lives? You might like to attribute it to altruism, you know, this belief that you have the selfless concern for the well-being of others, but there's also something very self-serving in that. And I think we just have to be honest with ourselves because if all of your friendships look like that, where you're the person who's taking care of everybody else's well-being and not allowing others to help you with yours, you have to ask yourself what it is you're getting from that and why that's who you're attracted to, because let's face it, that's who you're attracted to. And there's no shortage of people who need and want to take from you, all of us. So ask yourself why it is you're doing that and then make a decision that you've got to start attracting people who can care for you. And you have to make a concentrated effort to look for and be confident enough in yourself to find people who are strong enough to stand on their own two feet and sometimes take care of you. I say that because I used to never be attracted to people who I felt were stronger or more capable than me, because that might mean I wouldn't be the hero in the relationship. And I, I liked being the hero in the relationship. So it took just maturity to realize that it was draining, but it was also my own fault. You know, that's who I was looking for. And that I was frustrated when that's who I was surrounded by. So it's just a matter of being self-aware and making a decision. The number three sign is that you can't truly be yourself. Now here's what I mean by that. There are those people who we kind of change when we're around them, but we change because ah, we know we should ask more of ourselves. So maybe this is someone who when you're around them, you don't use profanity as much. Or you tend to exercise more or speak positively of other people. And that's a little different from hiding who you truly are. So I think there are those people who, when we're around them, they make us want to be better. And it's not that we're trying to change who we are, but they they make us want to be better. And then there are those people who, when we're around them, we don't feel like they really accept our true authentic selves. Like they judge your haircut. They don't like the way you dress. They make you feel self-conscious about your choice of work or your political affiliations or whatever it is. You just feel like you can't be your true self. And that's very different from someone who you're around and you feel like you need to change, not so they will accept you, but you feel like you need to change. In other words, you need to improve. You need to improve who you are. Like you've got greatness inside of you and they just bring it out in you. And that's a good thing. Know that change for the better is good. And that changing yourself completely for the purpose of acceptance is not healthy. The number four sign is if you feel entirely responsible for their happiness or their emotions, or basically you feel responsible for the relationship. In fact, you know that they define themselves through your relationship. That's how they find significance, importance, happiness, well-being. It's how they feel secure. If they know that you're in a good place as friends, then they feel better about themselves. You see, sacrificing your happiness or your health or anything for that matter to try to make another person happy is not a noble act. It's actually kind of selfish because it's unsustainable and you're not giving that person credit to take care of themselves. Plus, it can be incredibly destructive. You can't maintain that without experiencing a level of exhaustion and you might not feel it initially but over time burnout sets in. You are not responsible for another person's happiness. You can be a part of their happiness. You can celebrate in their happiness. You can do things that contribute to their happiness but you are never responsible for another person's happiness. That has to come from within. The number five sign that it may be time to let go of this friendship You have very little that feels good about the relationship other than the remember when stories. If your relationship has gotten to a point where there's not much that's uplifting about it, not much that makes you happy, and it doesn't add to your life in a happy, uplifting or profound way, and all that you enjoy now are your remember when stories. Uh, it's it's probably time to invest your emotion, your time, your dedication, your love, and your care with people who do lift you up. Number six, dishonesty or trust issues. Stephen Covey said, trust is the glue of life. It's the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It's the foundational principle that holds all relationships together. Amen. Hallelujah. I so agree. That is for me a deal breaker. If I can't trust someone and if someone's shown me that I can't trust them, I tend to believe them the first time they show me. And I think it's important that we all recognize that. You know, when people show you who they are, you should believe them. And that's not to say that we shouldn't forgive. And there are extenuating circumstances and there are people that we have to consider individually, but In general, especially when it's a newer friendship or a deep, deep betrayal that just can't be explained away, that's someone who, frankly, you're going to have a hard time rebuilding that trust. And without trust, that's a relationship, but not likely a friendship. Martin Luther King said, In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That's a good one. Let me tell you what that means for me. If I have a friend who loves to report back to me negative things they've heard someone else say about me, and that's a close friend, and they actually became an easy sounding board for someone who had something horrible to say about me, that's someone I can't trust. They didn't stand up for me. They didn't speak on my behalf. And I know you can't do that in all circumstances, but if, if somebody is becoming a receptor of garbage and gossip about you, you have to question whether that's someone you truly have support and trust with. Because remember, that is the definition of a friendship. That is someone who, frankly, I don't find that supportive. It's not someone who I trust. Trust me if someone has something negative, cruel, mean, or destructive to say about one of my friends. You can bet that is not going to fly. You can bet that I will shut that conversation down, number one. Number two, I will set them straight, and I will take my hoops off to do it. And the number seven sign that this may be a friendship that has run its course is that this person has the maturity of a middle schooler. Examples, and this is a big one for me. If I have friends who are like, you hurt my feelings, and I'm worried about their feelings, then that's someone who doesn't have the maturity to come to me and explain that I've triggered something in them. That's someone who doesn't know me or support or trust me because I would never intentionally hurt someone who I love. So to accuse me of hurting you is to overlook the fact that there's something about your own past that I may have triggered a feeling in you But I haven't intentionally hurt you. And I think when people tell us, people who know us and know our intentions and know how much we love and care for them, accuse us of intentionally hurting them, I just think that's immature. And maybe it's semantics, but I just have zero tolerance for people who don't have the maturity to communicate with me that something may have been triggering or upsetting without accusing me of doing it intentionally. And I'm not negating the fact that people get their feelings hurt. I mean, I've had my own feelings hurt. But I think it's quite another thing to accuse someone of doing it intentionally. Most often, our feelings are hurt because of our own issues, our own baggage, our own sensitivities, our own triggers. So before you accuse someone of intentionally hurting you, ask why and what about your own past created that feeling. And then rather than pointing a finger at someone and asking them to bear the brunt of this accusation, why not just explain where you think it comes from and how it made you feel as opposed to pointing a finger at someone and accusing them of of hurting you, which is somebody who loves and supports you wouldn't do, right? I also don't have time for people who feel threatened when I spend time with someone else, whether that's a family member or other friends or or when I'm invested in a project or a season of my business. Someone who truly trusts you and supports you, which again is the definition of a friend, isn't going to be triggered by those things. They trust you and they support you. And they understand that this is a moment in time. And that if you're truly friends, you're long after this season passes. And they won't be threatened by your lack of availability. I remember when I was a new mom, I had two young kids, and I had a girlfriend who I was, I'm, by the way, FYI, I am no longer friends with her. But I remember she called me on the phone, and I think I was actually nursing Sierra, and Brock was like running around like a maniac, three years old. I hadn't showered in days. I was trying to figure out when I was going to be able to actually catch up on my sleep. And this friend called to tell me that she felt abandoned. That she felt as though i didn't have time for her anymore that it didn't take but a moment to give her a call or why wasn't i texting as often and i just remember thinking to myself okay apologize chalene let her know you understand her feelings but let me just tell you something in my mind that moment the friendship was over somebody doesn't understand your young family is your priority and they're threatened by that This is someone who it's wonderful to be acquaintances with and I will still be very kind. And when she reaches out to me and it works with our schedules, cool, we'll get together. But in my mind, I made a decision to put this person in another file. So the people I keep closest to me, the people who are truly friends, who I can trust and support for life, they're in a front file. You know, and I don't have to have a conversation I don't have to confront someone. I don't have to sit them down and tell them how they hurt my feelings or how we're not on the same page or how I no longer trust them or how I don't feel as though they support me. I don't have to have that conversation. It's something I know for myself. And while all these other people may still be friends, it's not a friend on the same level. They're relationships. They're acquaintances. They're people who I am friendly with, but they're not a best friend, you know? And listen, at the end of the day, how many of those do you really need? three, five, if you're really, really lucky. But to think that you're supposed to have 10 of those is kind of unrealistic because you just don't have that kind of emotion and time and true love to invest in that many people. And if you do, you probably don't have much available for yourself and you're the most important person to take care of. Also in that category of immaturity, people who play games, you know, they keep score. In other words, they'll call you and say, you know, I planned the last time we got together. Or, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have texted you first the last three times. What? What are we in fourth grade? I ain't got time. Bye, Felicia. Gossip. Gossip's another one. Especially those people who love to tell you what other people have to say about you. Or people who love to bring doom and gloom to you. Like, They know there's nothing you can do about it and it's hurtful or they know it's going to upset you and they just kind of enjoy that piece of it. Even though they love you, that's just a level of fourth grade immaturity that I ain't got time for. There's too many positive people in my life who are much more mature than that that I should be investing my time with. Also in the category of maturity are those individuals, or should we say immaturity, are those individuals who they just don't want to hear about the good things in your life. They don't share in your accomplishments. They're the first to be available when things aren't going well, but they aren't the least bit interested in your success. And in fact, when you share your successes with them, you you almost get the sense that they feel like you're judging them or comparing when... You just like to have a few people that can share in your happiness so you don't have to always post it on Facebook and feel like you're bragging. Like, you know, there's certain things that I can have a moment to brag. You know, I'm not going to do this publicly, but can I just tell you how proud I am of myself that I did this? And I've got just a few friends who I can do that with. I mean, like five, maybe, maybe more, but there's five people who I know that when I call them and tell them this, like they will beam inside, like they'll get tears of joy. They will be ecstatic for me. And those, are true friends. And those are true friendships. I hope that by sharing these seven signs, I've shed some light on a particular relationship that you have. But again, before you go scheduling a phone call or a serious confrontation with this person, ask yourself if it's really gonna help this person to have closure. Do you really need to talk about it or can you just love this person but maybe invest a little bit more or can you still love this person, but decide for yourself to invest less of your time, emotion, and care so you have more to invest with the people who matter the most? And I'd love to know what you think about this episode. So reach out to me in social media. You know where to find me. I am Shalene Official on Snapchat. I'm Shalene Johnson on Instagram. I'm Shalene on Facebook. And wherever you're hanging out on social media, let me know that you listened to this episode and how it may have helped you. And please know that before every podcast that I record, I sit down and I read your words. I read your reviews and I read them from most recent backwards. Then I get a sense of what you thought about the last couple of episodes. And I have to tell you guys, half the time I get tears in my eyes. I really do because I'm. it's very, very motivating to know how these messages sometimes land at the perfect time and how in sync I feel with my audience. It's like, that's so cool that we were kind of going through the same thing at the same time or that a message helped you in some way. I really appreciate hearing from you guys. So thank you, especially those of you who have written me a few reviews or you'll write a review for the show in general, The Shaleen Show, but then you've gone back in to review specific episodes that have really had an impact on you. And those reviews, they help the show a lot. That's how I get ranked in iTunes and And that's like, you know, it's important because it's how other people find out about the show and we can kind of, you know, we can spread our sphere of influence, which is a positive one. I hope you'll agree. Hey guys, thanks for allowing me to interrupt for just a moment to remind you that all of these stories, like everyone I've ever featured on Build Your Tribe who's done something crazy cool has been able to build passive income, create a stream of income for their family and themselves that they didn't have before. It takes focus. It's just not something you can do if you're scattered and disorganized and not focused on why you want and need to do this. Focus has been a critical part of my life. I recently watched a documentary on Warren Buffett that was fascinating. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were sitting at a table with Bill Gates' father. And Bill's father asked both Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, what one word they attributed to their success. And without collaboration, both of them wrote on a piece of paper, the same word, focus. And I would say that is true for me and true for so many other people, especially creative types. I mean, if that's you, you struggle because there's so many things to do in the day, there's so many great ideas that you have, so many directions you could go in and you just need more focus, I want to introduce to you my Smart Life Push Journal. It's something I created for people just like you who need to get focused. You need a daily planner, but it can't be something that takes so much time or feels like scrapbooking or you've got to put stickers in and colors and stamping and pretty ribbons and like, who's got time for that? I need to be focused and I created the 30-day push program around that whole concept. But the thing that was missing was a really simplified daily journal, a journal that could allow you to accomplish all of your goals in less than 90 days. And that's what the Smart Life Push Journal has done for so many. I encourage you to check it out. You can do so by going to smartlifepushjournal.com. Okay, back to the show. So until we have the opportunity to spend some time together again soon, don't forget, you are the bomb.com. And you got a really cute butt. This episode is brought to you by Smart Life Push Journal. Write that down, smartlifepushjournal.com. It's a system I created over five years ago, which to date has helped over a half a million people accomplish their goals, become more productive, healthier, and happier in the process. It revolves around the push goal principles. Now, if you don't know what a push goal is, no problem. The Smart Life Push Journal will actually walk you through the process of finding yours, creating it, and then accomplishing that goal and all the others on your list in less than 90 days. I've taught this system for countless years, and while it works for anyone who does it, it was difficult to help people develop the habit of just creating a push goal and then accomplishing two to three 10-minute tasks each day around their push goal. Like, that seems like common sense, and and you know that if you just do a few things each day towards your big goals that they're going to happen, but how do we make that a habit? Well, my 90-day goal-setting system revolves around a physical journal that turns that concept into a habit. Now, if you're looking for one of those really fancy, pretty journals that you know, has your whole year, plus your electricity bill, plus all of your birthday cards, and it's so big and so cumbersome, you can barely carry it around. This is not your journal. I've designed this journal because I was a journal junkie. I went through hundreds of journals. I tried to create my own. I played with apps. But after looking at the neuroscience behind physically writing out these tasks, after spending so much time trying to figure out complicated day tracking journal systems and realizing I was spending more time putting on fancy borders and tapes and colors, it just dawned on me. My whole purpose is about simplicity. Like, let's make things simple. Fewer decisions, fewer distractions, a lightweight, easy to carry with you, portable journal. It's a 90-day goal-setting system where you'll set goals to accomplish in the next 90 days, and then you pluck away at them 30 days at a time. So you don't carry around with you a journal that holds a year's worth of information or even 90 days. You carry around 30 days at a time. And that's important because in my study and in working with hundreds of thousands of people just like you, I found that things come up that change your goals, that change your direction. Life throws you curveballs, and you need that fluidity. At the same time, you need accountability. It's like walking around with a life coach in your bag, in your purse, in your hand. You'll always have it with you. That was key. Because if you don't have it with you, then your goals, your dreams, and the tasks that you need to accomplish in order to master your goals are out of sight, out of mind. It's simple, it's fast, it does two things. It helps you track your health and fitness, which also includes your diet and nutrition, your sleep, all things that make you better, healthier, and it helps you track your day, your life. So you intertwine both business and personal. This is for the stay-at-home mom. This is for the entrepreneur, the network marketer. This is for the college student. This is for the person whose dreams are so big they don't have time to turn their day planner into another cumbersome, huge, overwhelming project. It's simple, and it also includes a complete video series that teaches you how to use a journal, because if you're like me, I don't like to read instructions. But how you use this journal is what makes it so amazing. I hope you'll check it out and learn more by going to smartlifepushjournal.com. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change. Offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead. So you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.